Welcome to Mayo Music. I am your host, Dan Pulaski. Mayo Music is an interview series where I chat with artists, musicians, and producers about their journeys in the music industry. Today I spoke with Shannon Kaler, a drummer and vocalist from the rock band The Stone Foxes. These guys have been selling out major venues in their hometown of San Francisco for some time now, and they have been steadily growing a nice fan base across the country. They have opened up for such bands as the Black Keys and Cage the Elephant. Their music has been featured in a Jack Daniels commercial, as well as the TV series The Sons of Anarchy. In the interview, we talk about the value of having a home studio in the beginning and that ability to constantly be creating while on a budget. He tells us the importance of long-term thinking when setting your band's lineup. We talk about the benefits of signing with an agent and how doing so really changed the game for these guys. And finally, we talk about their upcoming album, 12 Spells, and the creative way they're releasing it. I had a great time doing this interview. Shannon is just an awesome dude, and I uh, really hope you enjoy it. Let's do it. So now, I know you guys have been playing together for a while. Yeah. Um, when you guys first started taking music seriously, like what did you guys focus on? Was it, was it about getting like quality recordings done, or playing as many live shows as you could. It was all live shows, I think. So we, we, uh, I don't know. I think everybody has a goal, or when they start playing, you have a venue that you really want to play. And so we really wanted to play the Hotel Utah. We thought that was the epitome of all things. And uh, and or well, not the epi- that doesn't make sense. It was our goal, <laughs> and uh, and so then we got there, and then we thought, oh. Well, okay, shit. Well, now what? And uh, so I think playing shows and just getting to all the different venues that we love and uh, that we loved going to and getting to play them that was that was the main goal for us. Recording was like has uh, seemed a little secondary, and sometimes that shows uh, the first record. You know, that was all done in the garage, and we mixed those and uh, bears and bulls. We we ponied up a little money to have that mixed, and then our our latest record, we had all that stuff, mm-hmm. running a bunch of mixers and things like that. But uh, but yeah, the first one for sure, we just sort of said, yeah, 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 recording, recording. Let's go play some shows. And so we would tour around when nobody really cared if we were touring, because we just wanted to go play, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, was was that hard to do without having a couple, you know, quality recordings done? I mean, in terms of, you know, getting oh, yeah. into some of these venues. Oh sure. Well, yeah. I think we started being serious when uh, our buddy, who is the music director at at the Bone in San Francisco, the the classic rock station, he uh, he heard us, Joe Barham, and uh, and he said, "You guys should try to be serious about it." And so he said, "Okay, what does that mean?" And so he started booking gigs for us. And, uh, you know, even just a manager booking gigs, that that helps a lot. But, you know, an, an agent can just do so much more. And and so we were we had the help of a manager to book gigs, which kind of helps because if you're an artist calling places mm-hmm. for for whatever reason, a lot of people don't take you seriously. I knew a guy who uh he made up his own uh, manager's name, and and the answering machine on his phone was this fake, <laughs> like this fake guy. Hi, you've reached Abton. 
manager of you know blah 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 is total bullshit. But mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you need to uh, kind of grease the guy a little bit, and you got to get in the door somehow. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, <laughs> so that that recording you said you guys did in your basement was that I I like watched an interview and you guys were talking about how you built a studio in your basement yeah. out of like wet mattresses you found on the street. Oh, it was gross, dude. Yeah, um, it was really gross. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the first the first record we did in one house in the Sunset District and then the second one, Bears and Bulls, we did in a different house. But but the in the second one, we got all, the, all these ridiculously gross mattresses, like strapped it to the roof of our cars and then drove it home. Uh-huh. And built sort of this sandbox to put the drums on, so it didn't didn't get too much. Uh, uh, how do you say it? Well, when you're just when you're smacking uh, drums into a cement floor, that doesn't really sound all that good all mm-hmm. the time. You know, you kind of make this uh, big chamber that doesn't sound that great. So need some sand and carpet and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I mean like investing that that money that little money you had i guess at the time into a home studio i mean do you think that's kind of essential for for a small band right now like just having that ability i mean essential in the sense that you have to have that ability to create and record stuff without having to invest a ton of money in every single every everything you do Um, sure well i think any you listen to uh, I don't know, Jay Retard or like, you know, early Ty Seagal stuff, those guys, I'm sure, or maybe it just sounds that way, but I know guys who, you know, they record at practice spaces, like rental practice spaces, mm-hmm. like Lennon Studios in San Francisco, you know, you go rent a room for 50, for $50 for a night, they turn on, you know, a tape machine and they just record and it sounds super trashy, but that's your thing. Mm-hmm. I think recording's a lot easier than it's ever been. I don't know if it's essential to have a basement or to have a to have a garage. I think it's pretty helpful because just having a place to go that doesn't cost you money at the beginning is huge. Exactly. You know, even you know, even for us, I mean, you know, we pay a pretty good rent on a place to do, for our practice space and it's like, damn. It'd be pretty nice to have a garage right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if we had a garage, we'd still be in it, I think, for sure. Yeah. Now, now you, you talked about you guys played a ton starting out, just playing a lot locally. Sure. Um, I mean, how did you make that, that kind of jump from playing in San Francisco to playing other cities that you had never played in before? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's some, there's some weird thing where everybody wants to go on tour when they when they first start and mm-hmm. and that's great i mean tour's awesome but uh i think what nobody including ourselves realizes is like there's no demand for you yet so <laughs> you show up at a million places and there's nobody there and it's like oh that's weird i didn't know tour was like that you know <laughs> and uh, so when you first start running around uh it can be it can be pretty tough but um but you you know you book your own places you call places and things like that you look up different venues where people are playing or at least that's what we used to do but you know when we got an agent maybe five or six years five years ago I guess uh, I mean that totally changed the ball game because mm-hmm. they because then then people can't just treat you like oh there's some you know just some random 
dudes and they matter because once you're affiliated with other artists, then then there's repercussions if you treat this artist badly or mm-hmm. if you don't promote this show, you know. So having that is a really is was huge. Oh, excellent. So in the beginning it was just you guys just hustling your way, you know, oh, into yeah. these cities. Red Devil. Um, it was yeah. Like in San Francisco, we started our first show ever was at the Brainwash Cafe, mm-hmm. which was uh really awesome to be an electric band in like a small cafe where people didn't want you to be electric. And then, you know, we start doing the Red Devil and then Denord and then the Independent and then uh, and then Great American and the Fillmore. And mm-hmm. So you just kind of climb the ladder. Yeah. And now we're doing three nights at the chapel uh, this week or these next couple of Saturdays, which mm-hmm. is really fun. It's yeah. cool to be in like a 400 person room again and but uh but do different nights so we can switch it up and do different things. Yeah, well, well let's talk let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit. That was going to be one of my questions uh a little further oh, sure. along about about residencies cuz you guys have the residency at the chapel all this month. You're also yeah. down in LA at um Yeah. at the uh what is it the um bum, 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 the bootleg bootleg hi-fi, right? Yeah. Um, it's a cool little place, dude. It's rad. Yeah, well, I mean, what? Uh, let's see. Let, let me just, let me just go down to this question that I had about it. Like, why a residency right now? I mean, why aren't you guys trying to play, you know, in a different city every week this month, or or trying to play oh. a different venue, you know, in that city? Sure. You know, we we've already played that venue. Sure. Let's go to another one in a different part of the city. Like, why why the residencies? Uh, I think for us, it was. It was almost like it's a great opportunity to get everybody that wants to see you to be able to see you. Because, you know, you have a one-show shot at the Fillmore or someplace like that, and, you know, somebody can't make it that night or whatnot. So with this, it feels like, you know, we we just sort of want to establish uh, the, the idea with everybody, like, hey, we're going to go put on a kick-ass rock and roll show you come see it, you'll enjoy it, you'll bring your buddies, you'll do it again, we'll do it again, and it'll be, you know, we'll do different songs, a couple different covers, a couple new things, and it's just going to be a party for the next couple of weeks. And I think for us, it was also it was also important because we've had, you know, over the last year and a half, we've had some major lineup changes, and uh, we have some new guys with us, and it was sort of, we kind of wanted to just come out and say, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. And we just want to rock out with you for for a long time. We like being home, too, because we've been out for the last three months at every other market. Uh-huh. And so now it's time to be home. We haven't played at home in a long time, too, so it's nice. Cool, cool. Um, well, let's continue to talk about that just a little bit. I, I know in a in another interview fairly recently you said, you know, that aspiring bands should, should really follow that 10,000 hours of playing, Yeah, you know, popularized yeah. by like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell and that whole thing. Um, sure. I mean, what is a good strategy for doing that without being that band Strat- who, well, like, cause bands will fall into that thing where the kind of the one shot deal, right. Where they have to sell all these tickets and they're promoting it to their friends and family, you know, all in the same city. You know how how do you are you, how are you able to get that time without kind of falling into that kind of category? Uh, the category of staying home. What I, I'm sorry. Um, so I mean, clarify that. Yeah. 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 So I mean, 
like you said, like a band works hard to get into a venue they sure. really want to play at. And the venue says, hey, you know, we need you to promote this, you know, right. promote the show and get all your friends and supporters and fans and everybody right. out there. But I mean, you can't do that, you know, in your home market every oh, yeah. you know, oh, every yes, single yes. week. You, you know, you, yeah. you got to, you know, be doing Here. different things and coming back or. Well, I think what you have to do is do that a lot of times. Okay. Like, uh, you know, every time you play a new bigger place, uh, you have to do the exact same things. We're doing it even for the residency. You know, you call you call your buddies and you say, "Hey, you got to come to this," and you promote the hell out of those things all the time. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you can get on the road to play your instrument longer to get better at what you do, you have to promote all those shows. You know, you so say like uh, say like for example, what you were saying. You know, you play somewhere like the Hotel Utah. You promote the hell out of that. You call your mom. You call your grandma Ruthie. You do whatever you have to do. And then and then you pack that place out. And then you say, oh, great. Now we're going to try a bigger venue. You know what? I'm going to have to call those same damn people uh-huh. and, and everybody else too. And so, you know, I think it's just a lot of – it's a lot of perseverance and a lot of – you go through the same things a lot. And you get big in one market. And then people hear about you in another one, and then you get a chance to go somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so finally, once you start touring and touring and touring, and then you then you get better. I mean, we're going to be better in a couple of years just because that's how it works, you know, mm-hmm. with time. Except for, you know, there were a really, there were a lot of great bands, and then the 80s, they sucked. So maybe it doesn't work all the time. That's it. I don't know. You I mean they like, suck now? Yeah, they suck now, but which is fine. You know, uh, we don't need to name names, but you know how it was. I mean, like, or uh, I think I think everybody gets really, really good, and then you know we can't all be good forever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Anyway, <laughs> cool. Well, let's. Um, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, tell me, tell me about the Good Night Moon project. Um, yeah, you know, but you know, tell us a little bit about it, and 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 talk about kind of the impact it had, both just directly, like you know, with your involvement, with your donations to these shelters and food banks. Um, sure. But like, t- talk about the impact just on, I guess, you guys personally, and kind of the band, oh. and also your fans. Sure. Um, well, it came from the impact of of the fact that that San Francisco has a huge homeless population, and. I think if you're from a small city where I'm, like I'm from, or not even a city, if you're from the middle of nowhere like me, when you come to San Francisco, that's like a huge part of this culture shock, is uh, seeing how many people are really in need of food and in need of a place to stay. And San Francisco, you know, compared to a lot of cities, they have a lot of places to go. But even still, it's not enough, you know? And uh, there aren't enough services, there aren't enough showers, there aren't enough bathrooms. And I think, uh, I think when I, uh, after a time, you get very desensitized to it. And that's sort of what the song is about, um, me kind of realizing that. And then there was, there was just this time where we felt like, hey, we, we have an, a, enough of a following. You know, we're not a big band, but we have enough of a following that, we should start acting instead of just singing and talking about it. 
And so we sort of put together this video of all the folks that we would, we partnered with different shelters when we were donating food and got different folks to uh, sing the song that we did um, about uh, about someone who was who was on the streets and uh, it was just so powerful to meet people and when you hear somebody's story um, it becomes so much more personal and and our goal was like hey you know not everybody takes the time to say hello to somebody on the street even when they're just saying hello they're not asking for money but they just want to say hello and nobody takes the time to do that you know we're busy to go into work or something like that but if we can show people some folks faces if we can show them their voices and say hey this person you know needs your help and I think that makes things a lot more personal and what was amazing was going around and seeing, you know, it's it's not just uh, a middle-aged guy who has an alcohol addiction problem or alcohol abuse problem. I mean, it's mental health. It's just bad luck. It's, uh, it's old women. It's young women. It's young guys, you know, you name it. And so uh, I thought that was really important that... Uh, uh, at least when I, you know, when we were talking to people, I was like, God, that's, that was a revelation to me. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm really glad that everybody's been donating so much. You know, we go to shows and, you know, we go to Dallas and somebody brings in a huge crate full of food and it's like, holy crap, man. I mean, that's, that's, and then you want to hug somebody for like five minutes, you know, it's like, that's so sweet. And, uh, so we take that food to the Episcopal community, um, community services here in San Francisco. It's a great, great organization that has a lot of really great programs. And uh, it's it's been cool, man. You know, people, people tell us, hey, you know, I donate every month now because I started donating at shows. And now, I, you know, if you guys aren't in town, we donate here. And that's really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, donating food is a very small step, but I think it's more about awareness. And if you can get a couple of those those kinds of people where they're doing continuous action, that's really rad. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about uh, talk about I'm a King Bee, the oh, cover yeah. of uh, Slim Harpo uh, yeah, track was... you guys did, which uh-huh. uh, ended up getting featured in uh, the Jack Daniels uh, Tennessee Honey Whiskey uh, commercials. Yeah, we just um, played a show for those for that ad agency out in Boston. That was really fun. Awesome. Well, how how did that all yeah. how did that all happen? Like, where did, where did that uh, come from? What how we was were that on set our, up? Yeah, we were on our way to Austin, and uh, we were swimming in the pool at this hotel, and uh, and our manager ran in and he was like, "Hey, uh." the agency for Jack Daniels is calling and they want to know if you'll do a cover of King B for X amount. And we thought, Oh, like we're going to say no. Like, uh, yeah, duh, yeah, just say yes. And we'll move on and we'll do this. And so when we were at South by South by Southwest, we would play a show at like one o'clock and then we would go and record for two hours and then we'd come back and play another show at six. And it was this, back and forth to different studios and there were probably like 15 versions of that song wow and finally you know we did a bunch of versions and our manager was like 
It was the last day of South by, and he said, you know, I don't know if we've got it yet. Let's go to this place that I've heard about, the church house, and record there. And we met a guy named Dave, and we did uh, we did the recording at this church house, and man, it was a cool place. And we just started doing those hits and just started hitting it more aggressive. And, uh, and then we started doing another version that was sort of like kind of bossa nova. It was total crap. <laughs> and our manager came in and he's like, stop playing that shit and play the other version that you were just doing and it'll be great. And so uh, so we did that. So they, they found us because they were trying to get the Black Keys and then the Black Keys hit Brothers. That, that record just came out and they blew the hell up and they couldn't afford them. Right. And they're like, okay, so who does blues rock? And they heard, us, heard about us uh, from a DJ in L.A., so... Oh, cool. That worked out, yeah. Oh, cool. So it wasn't even like you were pushing to do something like this. It it, it was oh, completely no, it, it inbound. Has, it just happened yeah. kind of seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was a nice little surprise when you're taking a dip in the pool. Yeah, yeah. And and I know you, you guys have done a few other little things, or you've had your music featured on some, some TV shows sure. and stuff. I yeah, mean, so. is, is that something you then you guys kind of sought out, or did that, again, was that inbound stuff? Well, I think... Uh, some things just came to us, and some uh, and some uh, were were sought out a little bit. Or we had relationships with different licensing agencies, so they would go out and get us things. But mm-hmm. but yeah, Sons of Anarchy was really cool. We've we've gotten on there a couple of times. Uh, that show Donovan, we had a we had a song on there. Uh, man, there's uh, Jan Sport. All kind. Of, it's been it's been really cool. We like we like doing those. We got one on a boot commercial, and so we got kick-ass cowboy boots. It was really sweet. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, yeah. perks. I can't walk in them very well for some stupid reason, but I'm, I got I'll, I'll work on it. Nice. So, th- so then I take it you guys will continue to kind of do stuff like this in the future as they as they come. Well, as it's, they present themselves. It's one of the few ways to make money as a band anymore, man. You know, mm-hmm. like selling records we're not even selling our new record we're putting it out for free we're doing these new releases every first friday of every month mm-hmm. and uh we're really excited we're you know so we're giving a free single away for the next 12 months but uh but you know merch shows and uh and licensing is mm-hmm. those are really the three ways to be able to live yeah well, let's, let's, so that's an excellent out. segue. That's an excellent segue into my next question. Fox's first Friday. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. You kind of you just talked about it a little bit. But, I mean, tell me, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, the decision to release this next album in this way, you know, versus a more traditional right. method. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, it felt like there were two things at work. So we had new guys. And so over the time that we accumulated the new guys, we were writing and we were creating different songs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we came, you know, we had a huge batch and we came out with about nine that we really liked. And uh, so we're sitting down, we're working with the guys and one is super country, one hits really hard, one is more, these are, you know, there's a lot more that's, it's it's rock and roll blanketed, you know, and it's a little more trashy than we usually have been before. But that's sort of what we like now. And uh, and uh, so we thought, well, it doesn't really sound like a record. And it sort of sounds like this journey that we've been going on. And, uh, and then the other part, 
So we felt like maybe month by month we can give each song the attention it deserves. You know, on a record, people like about four or five tracks if you're lucky, mm -hmm. and then the rest, you know, skip, 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 skip. So on this, we thought, hey, we can give each track a lot of attention. People can hear it. People, you know, if they want it, they can get different. You know, we'll do some different videos for things. So that was really fun to be able to do that for each song. Mm -hmm. um, the other part of the equation was is a record comes out and three months later people go, okay, well, that was great. Now there's this. And it's like, oh, well, maybe if we just have new stuff all the time, then we can tour all the time and we can do things like that. So it's a little bit of strategy and it's uh, a lot of giving songs attention and having this group of songs that just sort of seem like they're they feel like family but they're pretty different mm -hmm. you know so I mean? okay so all of the tracks that are going to be coming out in the next 12 months they're all all done and recorded already oh uh, no or will there be some no. coming there'll be some oh coming. yeah yeah so this winter okay. we got a lot of work to do okay but we have a, we have about eight or nine done mm -hmm. but there's four more left to do we want to do some more too we don't want to just do 12 but uh even though it's 12 spells but uh <laughs> the name of the record anyway. Right. Um, and so we'll try to do a few more, but we'll see how, see how much comes out of our heads. Awesome. All right, Shannon. Well, I got two last questions for you. Then we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up. Okay. Um, so this, so this first one is, um, are there any like mistakes you feel like you guys have made that you would kind of hate to see <sighs> another, another band make mistakes? Yeah. Uh, the reason why we've had lineup changes over time is because it's very hard when you begin something to not think of it as, hey, this is my group of buddies and we're having fun right now and we're going to start this band and we'll just see what happens. And that's, a, that's very important and most of the time that usually works out. But... Uh, there's a level of people wanting to, uh, you know, if you're going to do it, you need to be willing to be on the road a lot. And and that, you know, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, we're not a bunch of drug-taken, you know, shenanigan-filled, ridiculous people. We, uh, but, uh, but you do have to love to play and to be willing to, sleep in a van some like on a rare occasion and uh and be in a van for five hours with the same people every day for a month at a time or more you know and uh not everybody's built for that and uh that's cool because that's just how different people are but you know we've been we've been lucky to keep my brother and I together and and get new guys who are ready to do that and we have a great team now but it's, it hasn't been easy and I think uh, I think it's important when you start a group to make sure like everybody's in it to do this and you know what it's going to be like and uh, yeah that you know we didn't really check in on that all the time when we were starting out and that's probably something that we could have done a little better Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. I know 
you're not the first band who's who's had to uh, make some lineup changes. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's really true. But that's I mean, you know, that's okay because everybody's doing what they want to do now. And yeah. you know, you know, even talking about Avi, who who's who was with us, or Aaron, you know, um, you know, they're doing the music they want to do now, and that's cool. And everybody's pals, and mm-hmm. so that's for the better of everybody. Well, on the on kind of the other side of things, what's something that you guys have done really well that you feel like another artist could say, "Hey, you know, I should I should maybe apply that to my own career." I think it's the playing thing. I think we we have a good reputation for being a, uh, a really good live show because we played we play all the damn time, and we we ran we've been touring around forever, and. Uh, when you do something a long time, you get really good at it or, or you get pretty good at it. Some people probably don't like it, but, um, you know, uh, so I think, I think that was really smart of us to do that and, uh, to get, you know, to get better. You just got to keep playing. And, um, that was, that was a smart deal to get an agent. And the first, that was the main thing. Forget the record label, get an agent first. And, uh, I think that was a smart priority. Awesome, awesome. All right, Shannon. Well, uh, well, that is all I have for you. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate, appreciate you uh, you having me uh, or taking the time to uh, to chat with well, me. Thanks for having <laughs> me in your uh, Victorian turret studio. <laughs> of course, anytime, man. Cool. All right, man. Okay. Have a good Take one. Take care, buddy.